You are listening to CFRC 1019 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Okay, everyone, welcome to episode three of Screening in Kingston. If I uh, get everything together here, I started and the recording wasn't working and then yeah, I didn't turn dicey. the microphone on. And it's a bit dicey. Yeah, but but here we are. Welcome back. We're here. Um, we're ready. Mike. Taylor. And we're here to uh, talk about a lot of things today. We're answering a couple fan questions. We're revisiting Mamma Mia 2 because of a fan question. Um, we are talking a little bit about Ethan Hawke today because he's in the news for reasons. Uh, not the reasons you might think, though. Like, I know when you hear a, a male superstar or movie star now, people automatically think, oh, no, what, what did, what did they kinda do? kind of douchebaggy, but yeah, for different reasons. Exactly. <laughs> like, he, absolutely. He, he hasn't done anything to anyone else, maybe hurt some people's feelings yeah. with his words. That's about it. Um, and then uh, we're going to go through some really interesting headlines that you found and talk about uh-huh. James Bond. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're gearing up for the the big anniversary. Yes, so we're going to talk about who's the deadliest Bond Mm -hmm. today. Um, And then we're going to review a movie we both saw, Black Klansman. It was something. It was something. And I I think we both agreed that it was a movie we were definitely looking forward to, like an anticipated movie. It was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. For the whole year? Yeah. Great. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to dive into that as well. But as always, we're going to start off with fan questions. Yeah. And we do have uh, three. I'm going to go out of order, actually, in in terms of the way I have them written down, just because the the first one is kind of the long one. Yeah. So let's, let's first of all, get to our buddy Chris. Uh, I love Chris already. (laughs) Chris is is a friend of the show. Number one fan. Number one fan, Chris, says, no question this week. But I plan to be a regular contributor. So first of all, thank you, Chris. My favorite musical is Rent. I loved it when it came out with the movie. The movie version? Yeah. I was young. We bought it on DVD. Yeah, I was young too. And I think my sister listened to the soundtrack obsessively. It was the big musical when I was in high school. You know, people say, like musical theater people that I know, Mm -hmm. say that it's very dated and that it hasn't really stood Hmm. up. I don't know. I enjoy it when I see it. I think, I think when I saw the movie, when I listened to the soundtrack, I thought it was a lot better than I think it is now. Like I think over right. time, my opinion of it yeah. has changed. I don't know about it being dated. That's interesting. I've seen I've seen people I've heard just people content say that. wise, like they say the content's handled in a dated way, or maybe because you know it's it is about the HIV crisis. Yep. Yep. But I think that's still a timely topic. And I feel like history is something that should never get. Dated in, in, yeah. in that way you know like it's important to have films and movies be relatively accurate of the time and I think for the early 90s late 80s this was pretty accurate so it's yeah. kind of a, it's kind of an interesting time capsule in that way mm-hmm. um, for everyone who doesn't remember Chris Chris was the one who had some criticisms and thoughts for me on my not liking musicals or at least saying that I didn't mm-hmm. uh, in in the first episode so it's good to know that Chris is going to be a regular contributor here that's that's awesome yeah, I'm looking I wonder what he thought of Mamma Mia yeah Chris if you're listening which we know you are you're the biggest fan we have right now um, tell us what you thought of Mamma Mia too, uh, yeah. or or searching or uh, uh, Juliet naked mm-hmm. or Black Klansman if you saw any of those movies maybe you don't like movies I don't know maybe you're just a musical fan yeah tell us do you like movies what are they um, 
uh, and then I, I apologize in advance if I get this name wrong. Uh, Burita, I think. Burita asks, um, when you start your holiday movie picks, which episodes will they appear on, example, before Halloween or after? So we think this means which which episode for us yeah. will it appear on. How, when can you anticipate our list? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say hopefully they're going to fall on whatever broadcast is closest to the yeah. holiday. Yeah. So for instance, Halloween is obviously the 31st. Mm-hmm. Our episode that week falls on the 30th. So you'll get our Halloween picks yeah. on the yeah, 30th. Yeah, we'll do it then. And yeah, we can do it before. I, I don't think doing it after makes a lot of sense. Well, the, the holiday spirit yeah, kind of yeah. quickly disappears. And I know for, for doing, we talked about doing like Christmas theme. Yeah. We'll do that as close to, like we'll probably pre-record some December mm-hmm. episodes because we both have lives and things to the do. The holidays. Yeah. So, <laughs> we have families. Yeah. So we will have that episode that we record air closest yes. to, to Christmas. Based C- on the schedule. Yeah. CFRC broadcasts throughout holidays. So even if it falls on a holiday, for example, if our episode happened to fall on the 25th it would still air yeah so there might be i don't know if they do a one week repeat or something for Mm -hmm. people who are away but it will still air be available online so yeah it'll be it'll be before or on the episode like that holiday but never after and we'll let you know via our social media yes we will yeah Thank you for the question. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we have a. I don't. It's not really a question. This is an opinion. This is an opinion from someone. So this is Ben. Uh, uh, ben says, "I saw you're talking about Mamma Mia two on your show, which we did last week, look, and looking for some feedback on it. In case you're only hearing a chorus of positivity, let me burst the bubble and say that I passionately despised the film." Worst thing I've ever seen since I found myself putting up with Independence Day 2. So there you go. Uh, not a fan. Ben is not a fan. <laughs> Strong of words. Strong, Strong words. words from Ben. So uh, I know Ben. Um, I'm just going to come right out and say Ben is, is a programmer here at CFRC and has a show. Guess you, anyone can guess which one or who, which Ben we're talking about. But I, I spoke to Ben a little bit about this and got some of the... Uh, some of the feedback from him and he very much did passionately not like the show this is not a overreaction this is not a he didn't like our show no sorry the the movie so the movie the movie i said show the the movie mama mia too he he didn't say anything about our show but i'm sure he finds it's fine i'm sure he you know i'm sure he would let us know if he hated it um maybe he does maybe he just despises us too and this is a whole our our opinions are horrible yeah our opinions are terrible he doesn't like anything um but yeah he I think he he brought up some very interesting points to me. I want to hear him. Um, So, I mean, first of all, I think you liked it. I did. I was kind of in the middle. I didn't really like it. I also am not quite where Ben is of of hating it. I'm somewhere in the middle. On the fence. I'm on the fence where I'm sort of like, I don't think I'd ever see it again. Mm -hmm. I've seen what I need to see. But it doesn't really do me any harm that it exists. Yeah. There are some movies that are so terrible that I get this passionate about. For and sure. you would tell people stay away. Absolutely. So Ben kind of attributed it in a lot of ways to laziness and to filmmakers. I'm trying to sort of put this a little bit more delicately than he did because yeah. we are on air. And, you know, he said that, you know, there seems to be that sense of I can just throw all these things together that people like and people are going to like it. I don't really have to put much of an effort into it. 
It's pandering. Yeah, that pandering feeling of, well, you know, everyone loves sugar, so let's just throw this sugar yeah. together and make it good. Um, you know, and I think he brings up a good point there. I mean, we talked about this before. I, thought I think it's some, valid. Yeah, there's some lazy writing in there. There are some lazy, lazy things that happen. So, I mean, any, every, any opinion is valid, but yeah. I think his points actually do kind of mm-hmm. defend his, his thought process. But kind of what, what do you think about kind of hearing that reaction I think maybe Ben doesn't like fun. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. This is a, I, so just so everyone knows, I invited Ben here, but he's very sick. Um, so he couldn't come. But he can't maybe, defend himself. He can't defend himself. But maybe we will have, I, I do want to do a, a movie debate mm-hmm. on this show at some point in time. So maybe we'll bring Ben on and, and have this Mia debate too. for Mamma too. I don't know. It, okay. Okay. Let's talk about your comment. Because... I don't think it's that he doesn't like fun. I just think that is Mamma Mia 2 worth even having this discussion over? Because that's been my point. I think it's right. such a non-starter in the film industry. I think we're going to forget it exists in a long time. Nobody cares. Like, I just don't think it matters at all. But you really liked it and he really didn't. Like, is this worth discussing even i guess in like the grand scheme of film history will we talk about mamma mia 2 probably not it won't even be a footnote like when they're writing the textbook on 21st century um american film mamma mia 2 probably won't make the cut and just to be clear i understand that no film is necessary but for the purpose of of this show we talk about film because that's what we're passionate Mm -hmm. about and i think there are films out there that that exactly like you're describing are a footnote in history and yeah. can teach us and show us yeah. things. I just don't think Mamma Mia 2 is is on either way. It teaches us for bad reasons or good reasons. I think it's literally like nothing. But at the same time, um, it's definitely like pop culture. Mm. And like as a, a student of history, <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know that a lot of things that are considered sort of um, throwaway you know, it doesn't necessarily make the historical canon, but mm. still it was important to people at the time. So, mm. you know, like Penny Dreadfuls or um, uh, fiction books, for instance, were considered stupid and frivolous at the time that they were being written at the turn of the century. So, um, but they meant something to people who were reading them and following them every week. These serials are, you know, when radio was becoming mm. um, a big thing. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, people like Mamma Mia. Yeah. And they like Mamma Mia too. And I think... Um, because so many people like it, we can't just be like, oh, it's not worth talking mm-hmm. about. It's mm-hmm. kind of being elitist yeah. by saying that, oh, because it's not a very good movie or mm-hmm. it's not it's not an important movie that's not worth mm-hmm. talking about. I think there's something to be said. You know, again, as a historian, we have to try to think about, or as a scholar, we have to kind of think about, well, why do people like these movies? Like, that's important. Well, people like a lot of things that they shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, again, I, I, I don't, because Ben's not here, I guess I'm going to take Ben's, you know, proponent. I was actually ready to sort of, not really defend the film, but more defend why is it worth even. Or like temper. Yeah, yeah, I, I was prepared on, on this show to sort of be the mediator between both opinions where I, mm-hmm. I'm, because I'm very much in the middle of like, I just don't think the film matters. But to your point. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that people do that aren't good for them, and they and they still do it. And I'm not saying Mamma Mia is necessarily Mamma Mia too. I want to make the I want to yes. make the separation between because Mamma Mia, Mia and was Mia its own. It's it's completely different and has its own problems, but for different reasons. I think Mamma Mia too improved things on the film standpoint, mm-hmm. and and got worse on the musical standpoint in a Fair. lot of ways because 
what Mamma Mia was was a stage production that was then adapted to the screen yeah. and then someone went oh wow that adaptation of the screen did really well I'm now going to make a two mm-hmm. um, so again I just think that I think it's interesting that when he, his comments and one of the things he said to me was so what's the difference between this movie and just listening to Abba at home I think it's the um community aspect of going to a theater or watching like when you think of Mamma Mia 2 I think of watching it like who would I want I would want to watch it with my best friend Nicole and her mom Helen and I know I would have an amazing time and it would be different than putting on the vinyl of ABBA and it would be different in your mind then in, in who you might take if let's say you were going to see something a little bit more guess to use the lack of a better word serious like yeah you might take a different person or you might think well i do that too i have yeah. i have friends that like i know there's a friend i can call up to go to see any action movie mm-hmm. ever but when i went to see independence day 2 which i want to get to ben's comments <laughs> on that i took my friend matt salton who runs one of the um film festivals in, okay. in uh, uh in kingston because were close in age and he would appreciate it in the same way I did because we both loved the 90s right. movie and mm-hmm. neither of us went to it thinking it was going to be amazing but everyone else I knew at the time was like not going they didn't want to touch no, it no no they're not going with me to Independence Day 2 I had to find you know the correct person but I think I mean I think Ben brings up an interesting point just about filmmaking like the film itself I really thought was not very well done and and here's here's again i'm gonna i'm gonna backtrack on my points a little bit and i want to talk about what i said before so i get there's lazy writing moments yeah i think the main character was written in a very lazy way that didn't need to be and i thought they shoehorned the songs in way worse than in the first movie which again is based on a musical that took months and years mm-hmm. to cultivate whereas this movie i think was kind of just thrown together so like waterloo yeah that song i think it's the third or fourth song like it's pretty early I liked how they did it. I didn't. I, I really didn't like it. I just thought it was like, what are you talking about? Like, he's taking her on a date and sing, suddenly singing about Napoleon. Like, I thought it was so shoehorned in there, but... She's his Waterloo. Isn't that the point of the... I don't know what that means. What is that? Like? <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't Napoleon lose at Waterloo? Is that was his, his big victory? I'm trying to remember. I'll be honest, my French history is not up to snuff. Keep talking. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought, like, there's definitely weird things. Like, he confesses that he has never had sex with, like, has sex before. And that's how, that was his pickup line. That was weird. Yeah, but then the song itself, I guess when, when a line is so weird and then the, the song starts, you're kind of just like. a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of like, okay, whatever. But I don't know. I guess I my main argument about Ab- the about Mamma Mia 2 was that you know it was a fun movie like i said before it's not going to win any awards nor should it win any awards but i had a lot of i had <laughs> not a lot not even best costume which uh, la la land got a nomination for for no reason for, for wearing right re- yeah regular clothes yeah. so do you have the well yeah i mean the battle of waterloo I've got a lot of history here um but Napole- yeah it was napoleon's big battle which i knew there's just, I mean, there's a lot here. I just can't find the result of it. Um, History buffs, phone in and tell us. Tell well, us the It deep. says there was a decisive victory, but it's not telling me who won. But anyway. Oh, Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo. Yeah, he's going to get, like, 
you know, love is a conquest. So this, she beats him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this guy's going on a date. Let's have this discussion. Let's yeah. do this. We're going to get into this. Let's get into this. Guy guy brings a girl on a date, um, and this is in a world where people just burst into song. And, and in musicals, songs are the replacement for monologues. So a song mm-hmm. replaces a monologue, which a monologue is an internal thought. So songs become an external sort of representation of what you're thinking internally. And it's normal. And feeling. And it's normal in that world, right? That's what it constructs it. So he, on this first date, knows he's going to lose. So sings a song about losing on this date. And then they get together anyway. No, I think, like, when, you know, love is a battlefield, as Pat Benatar (laughs) taught us. And he's going to, you know, he's trying to resist her charms and... He doesn't resist. He loses. <laughs> Isn't she trying to resist him more so than him? Yeah. Like, I guess they're kind of both trying to resist each other from what I remember. Again, I only saw this movie once. Yeah, me too. And never again. Um, but I believe they were kind of both sort of a, a very much a will they, won't they. And like they both kind of wanted to, but for reasons also didn't. That's but then the they do. I was but then they do anyway, which defeats the whole Waterloo thing because then he's not Napoleon. I guess. With this movie, we're not supposed to do close textual analysis. Okay, great. But I think that's kind of Ben's point. <laughs> it's like, then why? Why? I, I think, Ben, we know you're listening. I think maybe that has won the argument for me if this was a okay. because Because I think that that's sort of his point is is a lot of, why, then why have it exist? And yeah. I think you bring up the reason I don't know if it's necessarily a good one, but I agree with you mm-hmm. is that it's because they know people will see it. Yeah. And this is still a industry. People are there to make money, and this movie made money. And yeah, and I know people who enjoyed it. And I, I know if they made a third one, people would go to it. Yeah. Ben would probably go nuts, but I know people that would 100% go For see it. For sure. Third. Yeah. And to clarify, I know people who also hated it. Really? Like, I know, okay, so I know a, you, you, it's equally... Okay, okay. I'm not... I'm not surprised by no. Ben's reaction. No, neither am I. But I also am going to defend. Of course. Defend it. No, and, and Ben, this is your invitation when you're feeling better. Come on the show. I think we'll have our first movie debate will be topic Mamma Mia 2. Got it. Taylor versus Ben. I'm excited. I'm here for it. Cool. Well, thanks, Ben. That's uh, that's our mom. Any, any final thoughts on Mamma Mia 2 that you want to bring in? I think you should still go see it. <laughs> okay. I, and I still think you can just stream it if you're curious about it. But that's... Hey... We're both, we have in our opinions, and that's that. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about Ethan Hawke a little bit. Now. Yeah, not a topic that I'm very familiar with. You're not a, you don't know a lot about Ethan Hawke? No. I'm even trying to think, I think the only Ethan Hawke movie I've seen, aside from Juliet Naked, is um, uh, Dead Poets Society. Oh, okay. Well, that was when he was very young. Yeah, like a teen. Yeah, teen, yeah. And I mean, I've saw, I saw Boyhood. Um, which he was in as well. Right. Father. I don't want to say what character in case I'm wrong because it's been a while since I saw it. But yeah, and I've seen a. I think I've seen a handful. He was in. He was in a, a movie that Western movie that came out not too long ago. That was a remake of The Magnificent Seven. Ethan Hawke was in that. Yeah, he played uh, one of the gunslingers that was part of. It was Denzel Washington who played the main. Person and the Yul Brenner. Yeah, the... yeah. He was he was the the one going after revenge, and it was Chris Pratt and Ethan Hawke. I think were the two. Oh, and Training Day too. I I remember he was in Training Day. That was good. Um, 
The Magnificent Seven, yeah. He played Goodnight something. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> French. Goodnight Frenchman. <laughs> um, he, yeah, and, and so, I've, okay, so I've seen probably a handful of his movies. Um, but, but I know he, you feel passionately about it. Well, I feel passionately about things he's saying recently because mm-hmm. I don't get it. And here's the reason. So we're jumping ahead a little bit because we have a headline later in Not a Great Plan where we talk about this. But Ethan Hawke several weeks ago made some pretty negative comments about superhero movies. Um, and f- first and foremost, uh, I'm a big superhero movie fan, but I totally respect if someone doesn't like superhero movies. That's totally fine. I mean, you don't like a lot of superhero I movies. I don't. You like some of them. You don't like all of them. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, when you're an actor and you basically, your entire livelihood is built on being and pretending to be someone else, why would you ever be so picky as to say, superhero movies are terrible, I want nothing to do with them. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, what he said, but that's that's essentially what he, he said. And yet he did a movie like The Magnificent Seven or Juliet Naked, which I feel is on the same level as a superhero movie. Is mainstream. Mainstream action movie. Mainstream mm-hmm. rom-com. rom-com. So my thoughts are, why, first of all, why are you even saying this? Again, I don't understand why you would feel you have to say this uh and second isn't that hurting your ability to find a job maybe he thinks he's made so much money that you know now he can do sort of like passion projects i mean he's been acting since he's like 14 right yeah so now he's like screw you guys i've gotten my meal ticket i can afford but the thing like I I feel like you can say, you know, you can have strong opinions, like our friend Ben. Absolutely. But don't backpedal. Yeah. So one of the, the headlines we're going to talk about is Ethan Hawke kind of, he clarifies his yeah. previous yeah. remarks that he made a year ago. Yeah. Um, which is just backpedaling. But I don't know. I think you lose some integrity. And also, part of my problem with it was the comment he made was very specific to going to see the movie Logan. Yeah. Which came out last year, which is sort of the last movie for Hugh Jackman playing Logan slash Wolverine. It's an X-Men movie. It is a superhero movie. But he makes a comment about, you know, all it was was claws and tights. So... I don't think anyone was wearing tights. There was not a single... You are 100% correct. There was not a single person who wore tights in that movie because it was basically... Tone and theme was kind of like a Western. Yeah. That was the ideas. They were trying to make it very seem like a Western. And yeah, there was no blend in. So I think he didn't see Logan. Oh, and you think he would just... Yeah, I, I think he's commenting on a movie that he did not see and he's making a pre... Assumption and judgment yeah. about that, and I think, and again, I I'm kind of in the same, I'm sort of in the same place you are. Where yes, don't backpedal in your comments. If you have an opinion, stick to it. But also, research yourself a little bit. That's why when we're sitting here doing the show, I've got my computer open. Yeah. I'm trying to find things. So when we say things, we can. We're not get, talking out of our. Butts. No, we can get the right things, and yeah. I try not to go too far in my opinions mm-hmm. until I do a little bit of research, but. I don't think he saw Logan. I think he's just saying this is what Logan's like. Yeah. And that's if you, if you don't like the movie, then great, go see the movie and, and don't like it. But don't say you don't like the movie and you never saw it. I don't. I, yeah. I don't like that. Personally. It's like saying you don't like a food even yeah. though you've never tried yeah. it before. Um, my last point about Ethan Hawke is: is he even that good? 
Again, like, I'm not very familiar with his body of work. He was fine in Juliet Naked. And I would say, I would describe him as he was fine in The Magnificent Seven. He was pretty good in Training Day. If I remember correctly, in Dead Poets Society, he was pretty good. But yeah, when you're 14. When you're 14, yeah, yeah. Most kids act naturalistically. You know what I mean? That's why the Italian directors in the 40s picked kids Mm -hmm. who had no training. Mm -hmm. Because they're... They just act. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not to say that some <laughs> young people, you know, some young people are yeah, more talented of course, than others. Of course. But again, I don't, a 14 but, year old, but he didn't 14, blow me away. No, at 14, you're learning. You're yeah. learning the craft. Yeah. You're still trying to find, mm-hmm. you know, what methods work for you. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I saw Boyhood. I was not that impressed with that movie. I wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't think he did a great job. Um, but again, there's there's been other movies where he's been fine, and I just again I think for me this comment comes out of nowhere, and is also for an actor who I assume needs money and needs to work. You kind of are like, where do you get off yeah. saying this stuff? If he only ever did his own work, only ever did independent movies, only yeah. did those things, like if he was the you know whatever indie darling. yeah if he was just i'm into indie movies i do it as a passion i put a lot of thought and effort yeah. into every role i do i would not even bring this up but he was in the magnificent seven which was a blockbuster that's a superhero movie as far as i'm concerned just because you're not wearing tights you're still wearing a cowboy hat yeah which was like superhero movies are the new westerns westerns Fair. used to dominate hollywood mm-hmm. and now it's superhero movies in the 90s it was action movies and rom-coms so we change every, you know, every couple yeah, of cycles. decades. There's cycles, so. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. We will come back to you, <laughs> my friend. Okay, well, um, that's that's our fan questions. That's our Ethan Hawke talk. Yeah. Uh, feeling pretty good? Yeah. T- tell us what you think of Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Tweet in. I know he's very famous for that trilo- that romance trilogy he did. What is that romance? Uh, you brought that up before, and I... D- I don't think, okay, and viewers or listeners, sorry, you'll have to correct me. I think the first one's called After Midnight, but each name, each movie has a kind of a time in the name. Okay. And the director has revisited a, a romance between two people, and Ethan Hawke is the male lead. Mm-hmm. And he's revisited it, that romance, I think, uh, maybe every 10 years or okay. every five years. So it's a trilogy, and you see this. You walk with this couple through these three movies, and that I think that's that actually what, sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, so I th- as far as I know, that's sort of among my friends. That's what Ethan Hawke okay. is, is known for. Um, but I've never seen them, and I don't know mm-hmm. the quality. Obviously, he has to have some sort of staying power if he was able to carry a trilogy. But again, it all comes down to chemistry, right? Yeah. Maybe the romantic lead was. <laughs> How many national treasures have there been? Because. That's Nick Cage. Fair enough. You know? Fair enough. <laughs> okay, anyway. You don't have to be good to carry a trilogy. <laughs> no, That's... I guess no. I guess, <laughs> I guess not. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll we'll move on to our movie review section yeah. of the show. Um, we both saw Black Klansman, which is the new Spike Lee movie. Um, actually, the the star of it is Denzel Washington's son. Uh, is that yeah, that that's is? Who, that's Denzel Washington's son. I guess he's in. I heard he was in Atlanta, the TV show that Donald okay. Glover yeah. does. Um, so I've I've never seen him on screen before. Like I've never. And I, 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 I yeah, seen I didn't Atlanta. recognize him. Um, but apparently it was it was Denzel Washington's son. I didn't even. I knew that going in, and I usually with sons of famous people, I you can hear 
them a little bit. Like uh, Tom Hanks' son, Colin Hanks, when he freaks out, I hear Tom Hanks. Like I hear Woody. I hear the genes yeah, are strong. Absolutely. But with with Denzel Washington's son, I didn't get, get the, like I, I, I know I, there was no I moment where I was like, yes, okay, now I I hear it. But you know who I did have a moment with. Steve Buscemi's brothers in this movie. Yes, yeah. And I thought it was yeah. Steve Buscemi. They look so similar. And the voice. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, that's, anyway, that's, that's a just, side Yeah, that's, that has nothing to do with the movie. So what did you think of the movie? I um, enjoyed it. Mm. I found it in parts difficult to watch oh, just because okay. of, um, I guess, tension. And, okay. You know, um, the materials fairly heavy. Oh, absolutely. For people who don't know, not to give too much away, but it, it's kind of in the title of the movie. Um some uh, detectives infiltrate the KKK during the 1970s in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of them goes undercover. Well, essentially two of them go undercover. But anyways. One, one by, I mean, again, this this isn't a giveaway because it's, it is in the trailer. Yeah. Basically, so uh, John David Washington, who plays the, the main role, he calls... The leader, basically, of the KKK, and and Adam Driver, um, who plays another police officer, goes undercover because because he at, at that time he couldn't show up and be a, a black person because obviously. That's, yeah obviously you just can't because that's the problem. Um, so uh, he sends Adam Driver in his place. So they kind of play the same person. Yeah. So um, because of you know the the material yeah. was heavy and some parts you don't really know what's going to happen and it's pretty tense and it's obviously um uh it speaks to today as well so that does, sometimes yeah. that's uncomfortable yeah, you know does, when yeah. they probably on i mean again on purpose oh, very much 100% on purpose and, and it's probably good that it has that uncomfortable feeling yeah. especially with the way like if you're really if you you have any color skin other than white especially in the states things mm-hmm. are starting to get super tense and kind of reminds you of that time a little bit like again i i felt the same way you did and i think that's such an interesting point because part of me was like well how much is this a reflection on today or am i just recognizing today in in that but i think spike lee wanted us to see that the problem uh never went away it's and what's happening now in america and in canada to a large extent Mm -hmm. um is just sort of a, a continuation of the problems of uh, the 70s and previously. You know, the America is a racist country and always yeah. has been, which yeah. I think is the thesis of the movie. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So in that regard, you know, it's it's not, um, it's a comedy, I think, in yeah, a black comedy, maybe? I don't know if Spike Lee would bill it as a comedy. There's definitely parts that are funny. He, yeah, I don't know how he, he would... Because I, I totally agree with you. Like, there is that comedic tone to it. Not just, like, a drama that has laughing moments. Yeah. There's a tone to the movie playful. that is playful. And I definitely think that was done on purpose. Like, I, I personally think everything you see Spike Lee did on purpose. Mm-hmm. And he did an amazing job of it. Like, I thought this was such a well-directed movie. Yeah, but I don't know if... Would you classify it as a comedy? Would he classify it as a comedy? I don't know. That's, that's I don't tough. want to put words in his mouth, no, no. obviously. Um, I would probably, if I was to describe it to friends, I would say it's a black comedy. Mm. And like a period play- mm. piece. So, yeah. yeah. Spike Lee, call me. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Like, is that correct? Um, yeah. I, and again, like, I, I really 
what I look for in a movie is strong performances, which yeah. I thought this movie had. Everybody mm-hmm. was amazing. I was just looking up um, just to make sure I got everybody's name correct. Um, but it was uh, the the young man who played the leader. Topher Grace. Topher Grace. Which amazing. I, th- I thought he did an amazing job. I mean, this kid was the scrawny kid from that 70s show. Like, he, he did a fantastic job. I think he was a real um, presence yeah, in the movie. Absolutely. And, you know, an interesting side note about Topher Grace. He found filming this movie so stressful, he re-edited the Hobbit movies. I heard. I heard about this. I didn't know it was because of this movie yeah. that he did he that. He found it really stressful to play a racist. Yeah. So um, his downtime was to re-edit yeah. the Hobbit movies. Which I also, you know, I could understand more so on the actor's feeling that way like feeling the stress and the weight of this type of movie because it is such it's still very delicate for everyone especially Mm -hmm. with the way things have been going in the states and this is a hollywood movie so it's primarily going to find its market in the u.s and i feel like the filmmakers are probably a little bit more comfortable with the subject matter because they've been working on this film for so much longer Mm -hmm. like the for those people who don't know kind of the process an actor comes on for the final months of the process of making a movie. Like Spike Lee, I'm sure, is doing script reviews with the writing team and is working on things and storyboard things for years. And then your actors come on for three months and then you edit and the movie's yeah. out. You know, um, So I think that, yeah, I understand if you're an actor and you, you have such a short period of time working long hours to deal with this. And for Topher Grace's part, he has one of the harder roles because he's straight up has to be racist the entire movie, like, no, like unapologetically. And, like, unlike sort of the quote-unquote, like, rednecks in the movie, which are kind of almost like a caricature, like what you would expect, kind of the KKK, David Duke, who is Topher Grace's character, mm-hmm. he's the politician racist. Yeah, totally. So that, to me, would be much harder to play because yeah. it's, he plays it straight, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's very, it's a natural performance, which would... If you're kind of playing like an amped up racist, you know that it's a character and you can take it off at night. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, I'm not an actor, so and I don't know Topher's um, method, but I can imagine it being more difficult to play that type of. Oh, I, I think that's fair. I mean, even you know, we're hearing it from him because apparently yeah. he, he had to do something to kind of de-stress. But yeah, to each his own. Some people will go, and I know that lots of actors in interviews have said, well, it's just a character. Yeah. I don't really think about it too much. And even I approach movies where I don't really, I know it's fake. Yeah. I think about it in that sense, but I can still enjoy it to the same level. So, yeah, I think if, if that's something he, he felt and it was hard for him, like, I I think it paid off is kind of what I'm saying. Like, also, I think, he's playing a real person, right? Who's yeah, still alive. Yeah, absolutely. A real person who's still alive, and I think it was great like one of the top performances i've seen so far it was really good i thought he did a great job um so overall we're getting close to oscar season yeah do you have any thoughts on this movie being considered in in any of the oscar categories yeah i think so i think um best adapted screenplay Mm. is possible because it was the original source material is a book yeah um, I don't know. Did Spike Lee write the script? Uh, I think he was involved in writing the script. He's credited as the director, but most directors are in there. Um, Charlie, uh, Charlie Wetchell and David Robowitz are credited as the two main writers. I don't know their names right. to speak of, but, but I think, I'm sure he was involved. I think um, best adapted screenplay will it'll be up 
yeah. for nomination. Um, because it's a period piece, you'll probably see costume yeah. and like set design. Is such a, like, you know what I mean? Like the... The production Yeah, design, production yeah. value. Um, Which I thought was really well done, yeah. too. Some of, some of these movies, I, I know that from, like, watching previews of period piece movies, sometimes like, I find it gets a little old. Like, they all look the same. But I felt this was a kind of a new flavor of the time. Like, it really... It looked great. Like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the visuals. Yeah, it looked... Even when they're in... They're having their party in that lodge. I'm like, I've been in a, like a town hall. Like I've been in a town hall that yeah. looks like that. So anyways, I thought that was kind of, it was a natural, but also period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you thought the direction was very good. I Do really, you think? yeah, I really think Spike Lee should be nominated as a best director just because as much as the performances were, like I think Topher Grace was a standout for me. Yeah. The rest of the performances I thought were just like very good. Nobody mm-hmm. stood out and I kind of attribute that to, I was so blown away by the strength of the cinematography. So I think the cinematography should be up to it. But also the editing choices, the directing choices, the way the scenes seemed so real. Like every time Adam Driver um, and I want to get his name right, John David Washington were in a room together. I like the chemistry was good. I thought they yeah. performed well off of each other. They had a very interesting dynamic. Like I never thought, like at the beginning of the movie, again, I don't want to give too much away but I was always questioning relationships especially from the time period I'm always questioning like what do you really think of each other and I thought that was done so well like the the, there was never a point in this movie kind of like how I felt during searching where I could kind of just sit back and relax enjoy the ride I was sort of tense and in it which I really like so I, I attribute that to direction which is why I would think Spike Lee should be up for that. I actually, um, I went to see it with a friend mm. who did not respond as positively as we did to oh, the Oh, okay, film. didn't like it as much? She thought that, and I agree with her, we thought the pacing was a little bit slow. Mm. The movie's only about two hours. Yeah. I felt like I was in the theater for three. Oh, really? Like, wow. And I don't know if that was just, again, because I I found the movie so tense Maybe, and yeah. difficult to watch. Whereas my friend Aparajita, she felt that it was because of editing, mm. poor editing, mm. and like choices that Spike Lee made in terms of pacing. I don't know. I still, I maybe would have to rewatch it. Yeah. To see where she's coming from. But again, some of the thing, one of her complaints, and I kind of agree with her, where you saw as a positive in terms of the relationships and mm. how you couldn't really tell. Yeah. We thought that was bad directing. Oh, really? We thought that we we should have known kind of mm. where people stood and then we thought that felt like we found out too late where they yeah were. I, I mean i i thought that kind of added to the That's suspense fair. movie just mainly in the feeling suspense the entire time i felt that it added to it to not really know who to trust which i thought was a very good in in movies where i think films become so predictable yeah any time that you can keep me on my toes i think that's like a very good thing so yeah i mean that's i i think it makes sense that again people will interpret different things in terms of editing and in terms of structure differently those things didn't bother me at all i actually loved it i i felt when the movie was over i was i couldn't believe it was only two hours right like i couldn't even believe that it was already done so but again like that's that's where different people Mm -hmm. maybe just didn't speak to her in sort of the same way or again you you look for different things in that i i would have to watch it again to really dissect the editing yeah i don't know I like I said I really enjoyed the film and I don't kind of like I'm not on the same sort of passion about the editing but yeah. I think what she brings up is also valid like when you're thinking For sure. you also don't want to kind of get wrapped up in yeah. Oscar buzz yeah you know you kind of want to look at a yeah. movie subjectively yeah. so I think that's what she was doing yeah 
Which is totally fair. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, any opinion is valid. Yeah. You know, just because she completely disagrees with what I thought doesn't mean we both aren't right. Yeah. Which we are. We're both right. It's just, it's our own opinion, so it's yeah. our own thoughts on it. So, okay, so overall, uh, a, a see it, a skip it, or stream it from you? I think it's definitely see in theaters. Yeah, I'm going to give it a see it as well. I think yeah. you've got to go see this in theaters. Um, I would go out now. It's playing at the screening room right now. I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a couple of weeks. I do think... Because uh, of the be Oscar wrong. buzz. Yeah, because of the Oscar buzz. And also, I do think that it, it will bring in a crowd. So definitely go check it out the screening room. It was very powerful. Down. Yeah, absolutely. Very well done. So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's Black Klansman. It's the only movie we're going to review today. And we'll look forward to more movie reviews next week. Yes. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener. Not a great plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella, you've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. That's right, it's not a great plan, where we take a look at headlines in current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. Ethan Hawke clarifies Logan comments and praises superhero movies. Not a great plan. Okay. <laughs> well, we, uh, we talked about Ethan Hawke's. Um, well, last week he was in the news. He was, yeah. Um, because he claims that he was offered Will Smith's role in Independence Day and threw the script out the window. I think maybe physically threw it out a window. I don't know. You look up the headlines. This comes, I mean, we talked about elitism earlier. Yeah. Right? And you you talking about that in terms of opinions on, on Mamma Mia 2. This is more elitism than anything else oh. because he's taking a, a piece of work that someone else has put together and he's throwing it out the window and then Will Smith took the role and is way more famous than Ethan Hawke. So, so thanks, Ethan Hawke, because we all like Will, Will Smith, Smith more. I, oh, way better. Absolutely. <laughs> Household name. Yeah. Okay. What's the uh, next headline? Venom movie has two post-credit scenes. Not a great plan. We're seeing this happen a lot more, where where there's one mid-credit scene and then there's one end-credit scene. I'm Marvel old, does that a lot. I'm old school. Tell me what I need to know in the movie. Oh, you don't want to have. I a don't want a post-credit scene. That's I know fair. people. I I know filmmakers are doing it to set up franchises. Yes, and I think what I have the most memories of of a post-credit scene is um, Pirates of the Caribbean. I feel like that's the first movie I saw that had a post-credit scene and made like <laughs> such a huge impact with the monkey and the, the coin. Okay. Um, but now I think it's kind of played, if you want to, it's kind of in a way almost lazy storytelling. If you can't tell it in the, the format of the film, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy and I need to get with the times. I want to uh, come back to Pirates of the Caribbean at some point in time on this show. We don't have time today, but remind me to come back okay. to that. All right. All right. Let's hear the next one. Hey, Cronenberg turning down Return of the Jedi was met with stunned silence. Not a great plan. Because people were surprised? Yeah, they thought it was gutsy of him. And to he, turn it down? Yeah. And he admits now that it was sort of the stupidity of youth because he said okay. in his mind... I think what he said to the producers or whoever called him, I don't know how it works in movie land, but someone called him and said, would you be interested in the script? And he went, well, I only film my own work. 
And the person was stu- like so stunned. We have they another hung Ethan Hawke here. We do have another Ethan Hawke and another Bradley Cooper, which will be our next which headline. Which will be our next headline. Well, again, I to clarify, I have no problem with people turning down work. It's the reasons why. Like there is someone saying they're so above it. I mean, I didn't realize this was bad. This was the first Star Wars movie, or like a ri- like... It's Return of the Jedi. So I'm oh, not. Oh, so that's the okay. That's the third one. I don't. The original thing. I'll okay. be honest. Okay. I'm not familiar with well, the. Well, that, I mean. It's a big one. I thought you <laughs> meant more recently, where in which, yeah, David Cronenberg does not need to take on a Star Wars movie. But back then when he was younger, yes, I could see that being met with silence, yeah. But, you know, Cronenberg was doing his, like, body horror back then in yeah. the day. If it lines up with what I have in my mind, yeah. the timeline in my mind, Cronenberg is kind of a weird choice for a Star Wars movie. A little bit. Um, I, again, it depends upon the range that you can show. Like, directors should be able to do multitudes of things. But I understand, like, a strong for producers to go out of the way and say, oh, we're going to offer it to him yeah. is a little weird. But it, to me, it just sounds like we have another Ethan Hawke. They're everywhere. But he, and in the article, he admits the stupidity of youth. Good. So good, good for Cronenberg. Okay, so he's not quite Ethan Hawke. He's yeah. just, he was Ethan He was Hawk. dumb. Gotcha. All right. Next uh, headline. Bradley Cooper doesn't want to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Not a great plan. Did anybody ask him? So I apologize. I don't remember in the article if someone has approached him, but he gave the same excuse as Cronenberg, and that's actually how I found this article, was that, um, you know, uh, a link was embedded in the Cronenberg article, and it was essentially like, Bradley Cooper did the same thing recently, and he said he only wants to film it. A script he's written. He's Bradley directing Cooper. A Star is Born, which is a th- triple remake. But maybe he wrote the script. I don't know. What do you mean? He adapted the script. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm sure he wrote his own thing, but it's a triple remake. And I'm I'm reserving judgment on that movie until I go I haven't see seen it. it. I, it's not out yet. So whenever it opens, or I think it opens soon. It, Star is Born's coming out soon. I know. Very soon. Very soon. Um, from the trailers, I'm not that interested in it because this, again, is the third rendition of this movie and I don't see why we need three of them. But with that being said, I'm not interested in having Bradley Cooper direct um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I mean, I haven't seen enough of his work to know... I think this is his debut of he... stars. Oh, okay. Born. He didn't He didn't direct anything else? Correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't as know far as I know, I, I think don't. this is his directorial okay. debut. And then the article makes a note saying, you know, no one would have thought, no one would have even approached Bradley Cooper until A Star is Born has come out, essentially, was the thesis of the article. I mean, cool. I guess, whatever. Is it good? I don't know. Like, we'll have to see. <laughs> I think it's getting mixed reviews, okay. but I have no idea what the direct direction's like. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, whatever. If, I, <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than, other than... Yeah, I guess so. And I don't... I wouldn't have asked him, but... I don't think he has the stupidity of youth either on no, this one. No, no, not this one. He can't blame that. Against. Guardians of the Galaxy is a very specific tone. You should be going after a director that can match that tone well. And is a new director able to do that? Maybe. Maybe not. I just don't know. Yeah, weird. Okay, next one. Macaulay Culkin just asked J.K. Rowling for a Harry Potter role. Not a great plan. Give it to him. I Give him love, a Harry Potter role. I love Macaulay Culkin. Like, all of my friends, everyone who knows me knows that I'm crazy for the Culkins. So. I just throw them into Fantastic Beast 3. We haven't found them again anymore or something or whatever it's going to be called. Like, throw them in there. He can be, like, Dumbledore's friend, young Dumbledore's friend. It can be Macaulay I Culkin. I don't care. I just matter. want to see him on the screen. He, yeah, absolutely. 
To be fair, he tweeted this to JK. Great. And he um, is known for his sort of mischievous sense of humor. So how serious he is about this, is it's hard to say. But I, I'm ready for it. Let's Bring it, it on. I am I would love to see it. I'm in. Yes. Pro. Right. Pro Macaulay. <laughs> Next one. Is the first Purge director the best choice for a new Blade movie? Not a great plan. Hmm. I mean, Blade is definitely more of a horror genre superhero movie. Do you yeah. know Blade? Uh, a vampire who hunts other vampires. Essentially, yeah. Um, so I could see it. I could see you would probably want a horror director who understands that genre. I mean, I'm not uh, familiar with the Blade movies, but it is sort of, um, you know, it's based in the city, right? Like it's a city movie. Is the city kind of a character in the movie? Am I just completely out of left field? You it's know how, been like, a while since I've seen Blade, but you're not describing anything I recognize. So I've never seen Blade, but I just picture a, the city being important in the plot. You know, like skyscrapers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in a city. Okay. <laughs> that's what you mean. And I the mean, Purge is like a city movie. You oh, know what yes. I mean? I mean like, the that's Purge what I is very much like, the city comes the alive at night and the environment. is yeah. a character. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but again, I I'm not familiar with Blade, yeah. so I could, I'm just free balling here. I wouldn't necessarily clarify this one as not a great plan just because I think it at least makes more sense than the Bradley Cooper transition. <laughs> and even, even the Macaulay Culkin one makes even less sense of him just randomly well I think it's a good plan yeah I know I know I'm just and so do I I'm just saying of all of the headlines this is the one where I go I I don't I don't agree with Tony Stark here I think that this could be a good plan let's see how it goes I mean it's all up who knows you know what I mean you don't know absolutely okay next one Pierce Brosnan is the deadliest 007 in the James Bond franchise not a great plan so this is a fact numbers don't lie Numbers do not lie. So we have those numbers for you. So this is this is from Time Magazine. And so they report that Pierce Brosnan is the deadliest James Bond with 27 kills. The next highest is Roger Moore with 16.6. Now, how do you get a .6 kill? I'm not 100% sure. Like, I don't quite get the rating system. I don't know what their algorithm is. <laughs> uh, Daniel Craig is in third with 15.3. Uh, Sean Connery is next with 12.5. Timothy Dalton has 10. Um, and this person's name, George Lassenby. I don't even know who that is. There was a, there was another James Bond. I think maybe he was in one movie. Well, he had five kills in that movie. Um, so yeah, he's he's deadliest by over 10 kills. And it should be noted that uh, I don't know if based on this Time article, but I read another article. They do the math based on um, how many movies they've appeared in. So it's it's almost, it's more of a statement because he appears in less movies than other Bonds, if that makes sense. Because I think Roger Moore appeared in quite a few, if I remember. I'm not Um, sure. And, I mean, Pierce Brosnan was in quite a bit. Four? I think so. Yeah. I I mean, I know know Daniel Craig has done four, and he's going to do... The fifth. The fifth, which will be his last one for the 25th anniversary. And he cannot wait. And he can't wait for it to be over. Um, but that just surprises me. I would have guessed Daniel Craig. And um, I was speaking with someone recently, maybe two weekends ago, and 
they hate Pierce Brosnan's Bond. They think that he's really soft and lame. So uh, that to me is not according you know, to the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure when you see the math, you know, he kind of thought he was you know the dapper Bond. Well, numbers. Well, they're all lying. dapper. But I guess you know, like Daniel Craig is kind of hard. Like he looks, mm. you know, he his morality seems a little bit. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to get at? No, I, I know exactly what you mean, and I think that it, it's more surprising maybe because of just, I don't know if it's the tone of those movies, but, you know, they were they were so very different and, and so much of the time in which yeah. they were made yeah. um, that it just surprises me of all the James Bonds, which, again, apparently there was another one here that I didn't even know existed. I would not have guessed him because I think, like, Roger Moore did... Quite a few, I thought. Timothy Dalton, Daniel Craig, um, Sean Connery. Like, I just would have imagined one of them over, and I I wouldn't have been shocked at all. I would have said, oh, maybe I thought Daniel Craig, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it was one of the others. But for it to be Pierce Brosnan, that's just a little shocking to me. And I should be um, very clear. I haven't seen a full Bond movie. Oh, okay. (laughs) So my, like... So my conceptions of the Bond are, are kind of what the media, you know, clips I've okay. seen. And well, I mean, I've, I've seen many, many a full Bond movie. So but. your answer would be, don't listen to me or the guy I was talking to last weekend. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah but, yeah. Um, I mean, the numbers don't lie. No, That's how I no, would. No. Still not a great plan, but it doesn't lie. There you go. Okay, uh, let's get the last headline. That was the last headline. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> We sped through we them. We sped through them. Wow, okay. I thought we had one more. That's that's perfect. Okay. Well, um, so we're pretty much closing in on the end of the episode here, and, and that was episode uh, number three, mm-hmm. hard to believe. Um, I have a quick question for you. I wanted to go back to something that we talked about uh, the first episode. Have you watched Apollo 13 yet? I have not had time. Okay, you're going to have to. I. You know what I did watch? Um, Point Break. That's... Not the same. Why? I've been. been, What mindset were you in where you sat down and said, hmm, I know that I talked about. I have homework. uh, Yeah, I have homework to do and seeing Apollo 13, but, you know, point break. It's been off the top of my list. I've been, you know, Had you you ever seen point break? I've never seen it. I needed me some Swayze. Okay. What did you think of Point Break then? (laughs) It was was something. I mean, like, definitely not, again, not an amazing, like, it's not well made, I guess. I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it wouldn't be my top so ten. So before First Man comes to the screening room, so before we have a chance to to review it, you have to go see Apollo, Apollo 13. thirteen. You have to like so that I can compare. Find it. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now, so you can okay. just sit at home. You can stream it, but I really think it's important for you to revisit that because you said you didn't really like it, and I think that there's a lot. In to that un- movie. To unpack. Yes. Yeah. And it, I think it's a really well done movie. So I'm very interested to see what you think of it now. Got it. Comparison to before, because that was your homer from before. But Point Break's great. I mean, that's. that's Sorry. Fine. I that's, opted for some surfing over space. That's totally, that's totally fine. Um, so that's it for uh, episode three of uh, Screening in Kingston. I do want to remind everyone that you can get involved, um, as you see at the beginning of the show, when we read comments. These are emailed to us or over social media. So just a reminder that you can email us at screeningincingston at gmail.com. 
You can go on social media and uh, search our handle ScreeningNYGK. You can use the hashtag ScreeningNYGK. That means you don't even have to tag us. You can just use that hashtag and ask a question and we'll find it. Um, so follow us on social media. Email us in your questions for next week. Um, Taylor will not be here for episode number four. Unfortunately, Thanksgiving. With Thanksgiving. Uh, but I will be here uh, and I might have a special guest co-host with me. I'm not going to say anything in case it doesn't work out. Um, but I might have a special guest for next week. So we will see you uh, soon on Screening at Kingston. Taylor will see you in two weeks. Yes. Uh, and I will... Uh, episode five. Episode five. Yes, you'll be here for episode... <laughs> I don't even know what movies are coming out that week. Ooh, we'll have exciting. to see. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's it for us on Screening at Kingston. You've been listening on CFRC 1019 FM or streaming on CFRC.ca. Bye.